get a little chatter at the beginning. Loosen up, loosen up. Ow, ow. Did you notice that high school musical thing? Ow, ow. All right. Egon. <laughs> From El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight From The Bull podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the El Toro podcast. Before we jump in, I want to give a huge shout out to our favorite music and audio equipment store in Louisville, the Doo-Wop Shop. Doo-Wop Shop hooked us up with all this incredible equipment for this podcast. Uh, Doo-Wop has been serving the Louisville area since 1971, fulfilling all your audio and musical needs. They're located off Bardstown Road and Eastern Parkway. Find out more information at doowop.com. So today on the El Toro Podcast, we're sitting with the one and only future president of Kentucky, Sean Stafford. Sean Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's a uh, long time coming. Long time coming, yeah. <laughs> Second episode. Uh, so for those who don't know, Sean, you are running for uh, president of Kentucky. President of the Commonwealth. <laughs> president of the Commonwealth. First and best. So, yep. yeah, we have a little inside joke here at the office about Sean uh, being the being the president. So we did like a little... We had like a middle media. We had a we had a press conference with Code Louisville. The mayor was here. There's a, a number of other different. Uh, Code Louisville, of course, was here, um, where everybody came together to celebrate the the hiring of the 250th employee or uh, out of Code Louisville. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, when you have a press conference, uh, you get dressed up, and I always wear my typically my seersucker. Uh, and somebody here said that I looked very very much like a politician and then from there um it kind of just took off yeah uh, a life of its own uh first we had a meme that said uh, sean, sean stafford 2020 sean stafford 2020 yeah. <laughs> and uh then then some other people jumped on with some some crazy quotes and then all of a sudden boom i've watched my i've watched my candidacy for the, for the president <laughs> well, of the commonwealth austin actually so austin made a he made a what is it like a little short radio commercial? short? Yeah, oh yeah, because yeah. you endorsed it. Yeah, Sean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Campaign platform. Yeah. Do you want to play? Can we play? Yeah, it? we'll play this, and if you want to go over some of your platforms, that is, you know, going to change the landscape of Kentucky, Kentucky and absolutely. America. Absolutely. For the record, yeah. this is legitimate, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this is real. <laughs> this is not a joke. Sean is running for yeah. president. He is going to be the first, the very first, yeah, no, <laughs> and best. Yeah, no, no matter where you're located, if you just vote for me for president of Kentucky, that, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, every vote, I believe, uh, takes away a natural disaster. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And gains a pony. Yeah, if you, Ooh. if you, if I win. Everybody gets a pony. That's, yeah. that's whether, a good platform. Whether in Kentucky or not. Everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody gets a pony. So let's, outside let's, of Kentucky can vote for the president of Kentucky. Why not? Of course they, they can. Sounds, yeah. That sounds legit. All right, let's, pl- let's play the commercial, and we'll, we'll <laughs> I want to hear this thing. Opinions, issues, policies, decisions, <laughs> babies, American flags. He's for them. He's a person of the people. In fact, he's a people of the people, so he knows exactly what you want. A vote for Sean Stafford is a vote for everything. <laughs> everything good. Sean Stafford is officially running for the presidency of Kentucky. I'm Sean Stafford, and so are you. Paid for by the Bulls for Sean Stafford in 2020 committee. <laughs> authorized by everyone in the world who wants Sean Stafford to be president of Kentucky. Plus everybody else. I'm Sean Stafford, and so are you. Bear Slover, <laughs> Deer Hunter, Seersuck. Sean Stafford, 2020. <laughs> oh, my God. 
yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's pretty phenomenal. I'm ready Jeez. to vote today. I'm Absolutely. Ready to vote. Listen, Man. if that if that doesn't get your Kentucky blood uh, going, uh, I don't know what else will. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. I love that. That's a really good. That's I, that's a really good campaign commercial. Way so, to go, Austin. Yeah, that, yeah good that's job. what I'm here for. <laughs> Absolutely. Know, so for those who 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 don't know. Um, you know, Sean is, you know, a widely known domain name expert. He's mm-hmm. author of a book called The Domain Graduate. He's a, um, what do you call authors that have multiple books underneath their book? I think, think it's called a bi-author. A bi-author. Or, or just badass. Badass <laughs> M-effort. So, um, that's Sean Stafford. He's author of, uh, one, The Domain Graduate, two, um, a, a children's book that you probably know him more widely from, and that would be uh, Gypsies in the Kitchen. I mean, that's how I found El Toro personally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, very widely renowned. Children's You're book, reading it to your book. baby. And, yeah, uh, in the womb. Yeah, in the womb. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. So the yeah. domaining expert. So tell us a little bit about that for those that don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of people who don't know what domaining is. Uh, surprisingly, uh, any... Anytime you purchase a domain name, uh, you can think of it as online real estate because that's really what it is. That's how people find you. That's where you reside or your website lives. Uh, so years and years ago, I think it's like I've been in the domain industry for um, since right around 2000, mm-hmm. about 18 years now, which is, I mean, odd to think of it like that. Uh, but it's just the buying and selling of domain names for for a profit, for returns, kind of like real estate investing. Yeah. Um, and there's different avenues you can take. You can you can buy and hold, just like you would buy a patch of property, and you would hold that for a while and then intend to sell that for profit. You could buy a domain name, do a little bit of development on it, just a little bit, and to see if you can gain some additional money from that, like uh, – kind of compare it to putting a billboard on the property. Not yeah. really do much else. Just buy the property, put a billboard on it, make some advertising revenue, and then keep it like that. Then maybe you sell it for a profit later uh, based upon the revenue that's making or based upon the land value or a combination of both. And then there's um, there's there's some other things where you can actually buy a really good name and then develop a business on it and then sell it, which obviously takes a whole lot more work. Most domainers purchase big portfolios of domain names. Things that will either increase in value exponentially or have a monthly um, income generated somehow, uh, which are various different things. Yeah, and that, that's pretty. So that's how you and Stadler kind of met, right? Because you're both in that world. Yeah, well, kind of. So back um, about, I, I would believe it would be about 14 14 years ago. A long time ago. Yeah, for, lo- yeah uh, we met at a company. So uh, me and Dan, the other, our other business partner here, is, uh, he's not here right now. Well, not in the podcast, but... Um, me and him had met, and uh, then shortly later we we found Stadler. We, we met Stadler, and then kind of brought him into the fold. And so there was the three of us, and we were working in domain names. I got into domain names first. I got Dan into domain names. Then after that, we got Stadler into domain names. Yeah. And so all three of us, and th- so that's kind of yeah how we met was through an early tech company where we all then basically turned into d- domainers. Then you know, shortly thereafter. That's awesome. Yeah, because. If I'm not mistaken, that's kind of how you guys got your foot into the a little bit of the advertising world, correct? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so we've, yeah, to, so to jump around a little bit, that was one of the reasons why we started El Toro is because we know the, how traffic ebbs and flows over over the internet. We uh, previously we had owned a company called DNS.com, uh, which is the way that traffic actually flows. You know, that putting putting information on the wire and, and those types of things, but. We saw in the uh, domain space with all this traffic thrown, flowing through these domain names, um, 
a domain name with natural type in traffic that has been unaltered yeah. and been unmanipulated has really good, um, good quality, uh, high value traffic. But what we saw was that some of the people that we saw that we knew in the industry, some of the people we were an acquaintance with in the industry, they would salt this traffic, meaning they they had good pristine traffic, but um, if you only have 15 unique visitors a day coming through a domain name, it might be really, really, really high quality traffic. I mean, we're talking the cream of the crop, but you can add another maybe 10 visitors yeah. per day. To, now you've got, you know, 25 visitors. And instead of earning $5 a day on ads, now you can earn maybe 10 or, or, or you know, eight or $10 per day. But that salted traffic may have been really low quality. Mm -hmm. So, Basically, what you're doing is watering it down. You're cutting it, right? You're cutting the traffic essentially, yeah. and uh, in order to to make more money off of it. Well, you can only do that so long until there's really all bad traffic and a little bit of good traffic. And we saw this all the time, not only on the domain level, but this is what happens in the advertising space all day, every day now. Mm -hmm. And um, here at El Toro, that's that's why we started is because we knew that if we had enough data and we had enough time that we could be able to actually filter out the traffic, we, we can know what's good. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to know all about everything. We don't have to be able to identify that this traffic's bad, this traffic is maybe somewhat bad, or maybe this traffic is uh, ha maybe half good in terms of our confidence level. All we have to do is be able to pick out the good stuff. And yeah. if we can pick out the good stuff, we can leave all the rest of the stuff, the questionable, the known bad stuff, we can leave all that out there and let somebody else pick that up. And they yeah. can try to sell it and everything else. But for our clients, we want them to have the best traffic uh, possible. So yeah. we identify what is good. We purchase what is good. And we that's what we send down to our clients. And that's where you landed on the IP. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's cool. Because with cookies... Anything cookie based can be manipulated. Yeah. I mean, if if truthfully, if I wanted to open up uh, open up some some uh, some browsers and utilize some bots and, and some other things, really, if I wanted to be Barack Obama, I could be Barack Obama. <laughs> if I want yeah. to be if I want to be Tom Cruise, I'd be Tom Cruise. But the one thing that is really really hard to spoof, and I'm not going to say impossible, but one of the one of the things that are really really hard to spoof is going to be an IP address. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know there's that much to domaining that's pretty wild i thought you just went on to godaddy.com and bought a domain but well i mean you know that's how you get into the game but um you know when you when you actually have all of these assets and you have to figure out a way to make them pay for themselves um you know that's where these revenue streams came up and i mean you know in the late 90s uh folks had all of this natural type in traffic and back in the day you'd see like these these hit counters yeah. on websites that you would visit on, you know, <laughs> Prodigy totally had one. or everybody AOL remembers those. or yeah. something like that. And then everybody says, oh, my gosh, you know, I own chairs.com. I could take chairs.com and, you know, sell some advertisements <laughs> on it. So they went to their local, you know, furniture shop and they were like, you want to put an ad on here? They said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> And um, slowly that, that, that system became more and more sophisticated and became a revenue stream that gave – you know, folks that really capitalized on this land rush, like Sean, um, an opportunity to, you know, pay for those assets and, um, you know, turn them into advertising machines. But what was really interesting, you know, we had a couple of tech companies along the way that we, you know, owned or represented. And, you know, for the life of us, we didn't spend that much money in ad online advertising mm -hmm. uh, for those tech companies because, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't transparent. It wasn't traceable. And, uh, you know, if I can't link it back to somebody that bought um, and uh, identify who I advertised to in the beginning, then, you know, it was it was a waste of money uh, in our eyes. But, yeah. you know, in this sense, um, 
Yeah, I mean, we were able to provide that transparency and traceability in the online space. Yeah, that's awesome. Because we don't... So that's how you guys kind of got away from the whole idea of metrics. So measuring a campaign performance by metrics because it can be manipulated so easily. Yeah, well, the, the metrics can be manipulated, and we've seen that. We've known, we've known firsthand that metrics can be manipulated. But the big thing about this is that most most advertisers pe or people who you go to to help you with a campaign or people who are selling you traffic – You'll come at, at the end of the campaign uh, and say, well, did it work? And, of course, that can mean different things to different people. Did it work? But uh, the big thing is, is you'll say, hey, I mean, really, when you buy traffic, you're trying to say, hey, I, I'm trying to sell my product or service. Yeah. Or I'm trying to, in other cases, sometimes like with political you, you, brand awareness, you know, those types of things. But the big thing most the, most every day is going to be sales. Did, yeah. did it work? Did, did somebody purchase my product or service? Well, I, Yeah, and no, I, I feel like people are starting to, kind of catch on to that because i saw in ad exchanger i don't know if you guys saw this but there was a new story and they're calling it vanity metrics Stellar, did you see that well yeah and i mean w what was interesting about that article um and i actually i got it pulled up in front of me here oh, um, dude. awesome uh, Goodway Group, Group President Jay Freeman uh, fights the good or fights the good fight against last click attribution by Allison Weisbrot, and I think that we quoted Allison in one of our articles on the previous podcast. Uh, but she's coming out with some really good content here, and you know, one of the things that that Jay Friedman brought up in this interview was, um, you know, you want to focus on lift and not what he referred to as vanity metrics. Now, I've been calling them phantom metrics for years yeah. now, and these are, you know, what we consider those to be, we, we consider those to be like the easily manipulated metrics online. You know, if you're looking for CTR, well, I know some folks that sell traffic, and I'm using my quote fingers out of China here, and they can give you any CTR that you want <laughs> yeah. um, if you're willing to pay enough fractions of a penny uh, for the right clicks on and those ads. They can also... You can also ask them to click on which ad, which if you went, oh, would, yeah, the first ad has been getting clicked too much. Okay, no problem. Which ad do you want clicked? <laughs> yeah, do you want the fourth ad clicked? Oh, you want man. The, the, these clicks are so, uh, yeah. so cheap, though. How of can course. I pass these clicks up? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's one of those absurd metrics, and, and there are a lot of absurd vendors out there. And, I mean, we find that there are a lot of folks out in the world that they're focusing on these metrics that, that we've always called phantom metrics that this gentleman, uh, Jay, um, is calling a vanity metric. And um, in actuality, nobody really cares. I mean, if you see, you know, a conversion rate fire up or a click-through rate or whatever, it doesn't really matter. If you spend $100,000 and you didn't make more than $100,000, you are a failure. Yeah. Period. Um, you know, there is no question as to the outcome of that. And if you can't... But what if you had a great CTR? <laughs> <laughs> but CTR, Stadler, come on. But, I mean, I, I think we saw this article, and it was something that, that echoed a lot of the sentiments that we've been, you know, spitting back and forth here over the years. And they started talking about, you know, how does this interact when you're dealing with the agency? And, and I think agencies find themselves in a very interesting spot in this whole mix. That's my dog in the background, y'all. Oh, so Sophie. Sophie. Sophie, yeah. The OG office dog. Yeah. Yeah, she had an itch. She had to scratch. So she's going to be around if y'all don't like jingle jangles in the background. This is the wrong podcast. Yeah, y'all can listen to something else. When something needs to get done, she just does it. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a boss. Um, but they were talking about how agencies are inserted into this mix. And, you know, they often find themselves as, you know, the middle person or the middle entity in between, one, the advertiser, which they have the relationship with, and they have fostered that relationship, 
and the vendor um, or tech provider there. Um, so, you know, they kind of find themselves in a hard position because they don't really own any of the technology or many of them don't own that technology. Um, and they're basically acting as the go-between go to find all of these resources for advertisers and hope to God that they have the capacity to, you know, increase revenue, increase conversions or what have you. And, you know, he brought up a very apt point here that there are two different types of agencies out there. They're the agencies that you know, really care about, you know, the experience that the advertiser is witnessing from, you know, an empirical standpoint, you know, those conversions, those sales generated, things like that. Um, and then the ones that are just kind of, I kind of want to call them like puppets to yeah. the advertiser. <laughs> you, you, sometimes you, you hire a professional to, you know, tell you what is needed. You know, I don't know anything about my HVAC system. But the folks that I have come and service my HVAC system, they know about HVACs. And I depend on them to give me valid information to tell me what I need to do to make sure my system's humming along when it's 20 degrees outside this winter. Um, you know, and I'm going to listen to those pieces of advice. And there are a lot of agencies out there that don't provide that logical, hey, you know, this is, this is know-how you need to have when advertising on the Internet. And they're the type of folks that's like, well, um... You know, my, my advertiser wants it this way, so that's what I'm going to give him. And, you know, I read this article, and I, Sean and I had a conversation a couple of years ago with one of our earlier clients. And um, I don't know if you remember them. I'm not going to name names here. But they, um, they were like, well, you know, we've been selling viewability for over yeah. a year now. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we've got to provide this certain viewability metric. And I, I want to say it was like 90% viewable traffic. <laughs> And, you know, we took the standpoint of saying, well, you know, viewability, not viewable, whatever. Do you want to touch, do you want to touch oh. on viewability? For those who don't know. Yeah, that's, um, sorry, that's, that's kind of a, a, a turd move of mine. Um, <laughs> so viewability is the concept where um, uh, there is an entity that exists, either the DSP, maybe a third-party tracking system, something along those lines. It's able to gauge how viewable your traffic was to human eyeballs. And okay. it was originally intended to say, okay, well, you know, in help ensure that more human eyeballs were exposed to your advertisement than non-human eyeballs. And there are some specific metrics, like you have to have so many pixels available in so much of a time frame. Um, and, you know. So basically, uh, uh, to, to kind of get it in a little nice uh, succinct box, mm -hmm. the ad showed up on the page, at least a, pickles, a pixel of the, the pay, uh, ad showed up on, on the page, yeah. and that it was quote-unquote viewed. And that would be measured by a JavaScript or some other types of metrics or some, some other types of, uh, of avenue. Uh, JavaScript is one of them. There's a, there's a number, number of other ways that – Entities will 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 quantify so-called uh, viewability. The funny thing about viewability is there's no standardized definition for what viewability actually is. Because if you go to some, you know, IAB's got one, and then there's there's other people, other entities out there have their own. Of so, it was one pixel that was above the fold for one second, and then some it had to be half the half the box, and uh, had to be above or, or the or the That's you know the, the ad cell had to be you know, for for some given time frame. Viewability is is basically a not it's not a made up thing but it's a something that nobody has a succinct definition for nobody's come together and said completely this is what yeah. it is 
But the problem with the problem with utilizing uh, viewability in an ad campaign, and the intentions are good, by the way. It's, I mean, we yeah. like the intentions are good. I mean, because sure. because nobody wants nobody who's at the very end who has uh, who has uh, any kind of um, you know good intentions for their own client wants to sell bad traffic. Nope. And so this is something that they believed originally was going to be like, oh, this helps us protect ourselves and our clients. Here's the problem. Any kind of metric that you can come up with, I, style me, uh, anybody can find a way to beat them. Yeah. And, and you know these programs, the bots and everything else out there? It's not like somebody comes up with, with viewability and they go, okay, now we've come up with the metrics and all the bad guys and everybody out there who's salt and traffic <laughs> and doing arbitrage, they go, well, they came up with viewability. I guess <laughs> we're going to go home now. <laughs> yeah, good well, run. this was a good run. Now I'm going uh, to go and farm potatoes because I'm not going to be able to get sell my, my nasty traffic anymore. It, what really happens is that these bots will, just, uh, will be programmed to scroll all the way up the page and all the way down the page before they move on, which hmm. means that at that point, you want viewability? Boom! Now you've got 100% viewability. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who who came to the site, everybody who you were pushing traffic to, they all saw the ad 100% of the time. So <laughs> so no. So guess what? We're all safe now. Everything's good. Everything's let good. let there be no panic. Now, I can sleep at night now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So the, uh, these metrics, all the the fraud that's built into the system, these other systems inherently, they work. Uh, 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 towards these types of things that get put in place, not against them, yeah. right? So they they're, they'll be built for them. All this is is this a regular bot that this fraudulent traffic, this machine traffic, a bot that is uh, that's spun up in order to be salted into other traffic that's not real. Okay, no problem. It will then be instructed. You know, you just write a piece of code, go all the way up the page, all the way down the page before you move on. Boom, that's it. Now hmm. now you can move forward. And uh, it just completely busts viewability right out the door. So, again, it comes back to do you want 100% viewability or do you want sales? Do you, do you want the campaign to work or do you want some kind of phantom metric? Bingo. And in, in the interest of uh, full disclosure here, um, there is a media rating council. And they are the organization that has been tasked or assumed the task of kind of, you know, they're an independent industry organization. And they are there to help ensure valid, reliable, and effective audience measurement services. So, you know, there are a lot of DSPs out there. There are a lot of third-party, you know, ad servers out there that all claim to be MRC accredited. And that's something that you, you honestly want to look for because it means that, you know, this organization went through, you know, basic efforts to make sure that they had standards that adhered to, you know, what, what we consider to be base for online advertising. But what we have seen through a lot of firsthand experience with respect to serving a lot of traffic out there is you can have multiple MRC accredited agencies evaluating your traffic. So for us, for instance, you know, we serve um, uh, quite a bit of traffic through a, a DSP called AppNexus. Yeah. Um, and you could be serving off of third-party ad tags that are coming from Google. Um, and you could be using another metering system to kind of evaluate what these two other agencies are telling you um, is viewable or is not viewable. And what's interesting is you've got multiple MRC accredited agencies here that can have wildly different viewability metrics over the exact same impressions. So where AppNexus might be at 54%, DoubleClick might be at 73%, and you know, let's say that you know third party, whatever the heck, um, is totally different. And that was one of the things that really kind of... Um, I guess it grinds our gears a bit because we're looking at something <laughs> we're looking at something that 
you know, I don't know what that really means. I mean, from an instance, you know, I'm an, op- I'm, I'm an operator, you know, I serve a lot of traffic. This is my symphony. You know, when I see metrics like CTR, when I see conversion pixel fires increase, when I see viewability increase, that means that I likely did something from an optimization side that, you know, good job, Stadler, pat yourself on the back. Everybody's cool. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately that, that, that amounts to a hill of beans. If, if you didn't sell, a car or a house or a rug or, or a sofa or whatever it was. And, you know, that's, that's really, you know, as an organization, um, one of the things that we kind of look at and say, what the heck, what the heck, everybody, why are you, why are you trying to justify something that you don't understand with a metric that really doesn't amount to how you're really quantifying the success of this initiative. You know, you want sales. Yeah. You want conversions. And if you can't track, you know, this is who I targeted. This is who I didn't target. These are the conversions. These are the conversions from the group we didn't touch. Here's the improvement we provided. Um, you really don't know whether or not you were effective. And and that's what this article really hinted about. Um, you know, they're trying to you know, help, you know, bring into the forefront of our communication. Let's, let's, let's make online advertising. Let's make display advertising specifically, um, a more transparent industry, um, an industry where we can rely on solid metrics that businesses are run upon and not metrics that digital ad managers seem to rely upon. And, you know, there, and they also mentioned that there's, there's this, communication or education breakdown that exists between, you know, business owners and folks that really have to depend on, you know, revenues coming through the business and folks that work in marketing. And, you know, you've got to work hand in hand with these specific divisions of the organization to make sure you're truly successful on all fronts. Making digital advertising transparent. Is that a campaign platform for the president of Kentucky? No, I think the next one's actually, if, if you don't know what you're doing, vote for Sean Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, so we've been, we've been recording for about 30 minutes here, so we're probably going to start wrapping it up. One uh, more point on that, though, just to summarize, because you guys are a lot smarter than, than me and probably a lot of people out there. I, I wouldn't go that far. I would say so, <laughs> Mr. President. Uh, at the end of the day, marketing is about an attractive, relevant message and also a target market sure. and getting that to it. Anything else besides that, all those metrics and, you know, I got the high CTR viewability, uh, it's some of those lesser agencies pretty much slapping the hood of the car and say, saying, you know, I can, I can fit so much viewability in here, you know, or, <laughs> or they, they slap the lemon and they say, oh, but it's got ice cold air. Ice cold. Ice cold. Well, so... Metrics are one thing, and that's just what they are as a metric. And so there's there's lots of cases where you can you've got certain metrics, but that doesn't mean success or failure. It's just this gives you a somewhat of an idea, and hopefully you know the metrics that you see are somewhat of an indicator of of success. But the only actual metric for success is success, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Sales, that, that's yeah. that's yeah. literally the only metric. It's you either you succeed or you fail. There's there's one of the two. Either it worked or it did not. There's really on an online campaign, there's there's really no okay. Well, this kind of works, so we're going to kind of keep doing it since I I like mediocre to, mediocre to to less than desirable results. You know, either we we blew it out or we need to go back and yeah and re and retool. 
I feel like a lot of it is people to just they've been doing it the same way for so long that they just kind of get scared and Absolutely. oh my god my metrics well, are looking good so I'm just going to keep it this way and Absolutely. not well, introduce uh, anything else. You got to remember that a lot of these uh, agencies have been selling on the same thing all this time and now that we you know El Toro's come out and El Toro's something new and different and we're able to to actually go past that and just blow right past that and go right to the hey, we were talking to these people, these people purchased, so therefore you know what the success rate was. Well, if, if we go and say, hey, you can't really rely on, on CTR and bounce rate and, and a viewability as us, uh, if a campaign was successful or not, well, that's what they've been selling for a long time. So they then have to go back to their clients and say, hey, well, guess what? I, this really, we don't know if this had been working in the past, even though I told you it did. <laughs> yeah. And now, now that we know, um, this is what we should be doing. So we, basically, they didn't feel like they were being uh, the the. Now that this new thing's out, yeah, it's like why weren't we doing this all the all all this in the past? Turn, like yeah. why, why, why weren't we always been doing this? Yeah. And so it's kind it's kind of hard to backpedal. Gotcha. Well, yeah, we'll so we'll go ahead and wrap it up and. Uh, we're going to be back here next Friday, so we're going to try and do these podcasts every Friday. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you on the third episode of the ElToro.com podcast coming up next Friday. You've been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels.